Fans and welcome back to the Demonland podcast. My name is Andy. And if the point of a match of football is to win by scoring more points than your opponent, then the Demons certainly made their point by outpointing the Tigers in their Anzac Eve battle. Joining me tonight to point out how the Demons were able to claim victory on Sunday night, longtime Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. It's good to be back. And uh, for the Demon Land listeners from last week, uh, tonight will be, um, for the first time, we we will be presenting a cooking segment where Andy will share with you a recipe for his favourite hat, which he said he'd eat if Tom Hawkins was not sanctioned for staging last week. Did I did I say that? You did. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I, now that uh, now that you bring that up again, they really couldn't sanction. I should have thought about it. They couldn't sanction him because then they would be admitting that um, they got the free kick wrong. Um, so they couldn't do that after after the dissent rules. So um, yeah, all right. Um, I don't have any hats and I'm not eating my premiership hat, not yet. <laughs> All right, also joining us tonight to help us stay on point uh, is Bin Man. Uh, good evening, Bin Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Dean Landers. And uh, I'm sorry, Andy, I'm not much good at staying on point. So, <laughs> so yeah, you might have to make sure we stay on point. Well, I've run out of all point uh, puns, so I think I've made my point um, and there we'll end it uh, there. And I think it's pointless uh, uh, to not bring up the elephant in the room uh, when discussing this match. And that is our inaccuracy in front of goal. The final margin in this match absolutely flattered the Tigers. The Demons outpointed the Tigers all over the ground. We pretty much led in every key statistic and the final margin of 22 points could have easily been 60 to 80 points. Uh, realistically, the score, it could have been 22-9 instead of 9-22. And I'll talk more about our inaccuracy uh, later in the improvements section of our program. Earlier in the match, the scoreboard almost mirrored last year's Anzac Eve clash with the Tigers getting the early jump on the Demons, but from then on it was all the Demons, and if not for the aforementioned inaccuracy, the game could have been out of the Tigers' reach a lot earlier. Alas, it wasn't, and uh, three straight goals late in the second term saw the Tigers go into the main break with a lead uh, despite the Demons' dominance. And let's face it, Richmond are not the same team they were during their dynasty. George, you summed it up well uh, in your match report that they're a mere shell and then, you know, without Dusty and Grimes, uh, their claws just aren't as sharp and as menacing. Uh, Once again, our defence was at their miserly best. Uh, Teams just simply can't kick big enough scores against us to win at the moment. The only way the Tigers were going to win last night was as if we were more inaccurate than we already were. Another team 
we've held to under 70 points. Uh, teams have only scored 70 points or more against us in 10 of the last 31 matches. That's through through the 2021 and 2022 season so far. We've won 26 from 31 of those games in that time. Stephen May was fantastic once again, leading by example. Uh, Petty, who I'll speak more about later in my positives, he's taken his game to another level this season. Our backline depth has been proven time and time again. Lever goes out. Smith can come in and ably fill a position. And then we also have the luxury of playing Tomlinson in the twos, and he can ably come into the team, and we won't skip a beat. Our, our smaller backline brigade was also fantastic with the undefeated Bowie playing like a 200-gamer despite only playing his 13th match. Uh, George is going to speak more about Jaden Hunt later. He played a superb defensive role. He was often on uh, Shy Bolton when he went forward. And I rate Shy, and Hunt did a magnificent job on him. Uh, in the middle, our depth also shines. Imagine losing a premiership player in the likes of Jack Viney and being able to bring in a new recruit, discarded uh, St. Luke Dunstan, fresh off an 11 Brownlow votes uh, from 12-game season. And I thought he played well in his debut uh, game for the Ds in a role that he was recruited for simply by just being a backup. And he only had the 18 possessions, but I thought he used the ball really well, was composed with ball in hand. He was measured in his disposal and he went at 83 disposal percent disposal efficiency despite what uh, some of the concerns that uh, some of my Saints mates had about him. Um, Track had a quiet night by his standards, but that's fine because we have more than one weapon in our midfield arsenal and one of those weapons uh, is a weapon of mass destruction that happens to be uh, one Clayton Oliver. Uh, Clary amassed, amassed an incredible 41 possessions, 22 contested, 13 clearances, 10 score involvements, 9 inside 50s, a massive 684 metres gain and the Checker Hughes medal uh, for his troubles. And then a quick shout out to Tom Sparrow, who is relishing more midfield time. I think we're seeing the emergence of another star in our midfield who is able to flourish flourish while not getting the same attention from oppositions as Track and Clary. And George, will, George is going to go into more detail on his thoughts of our forward line a little bit later. I won't go into that now. I've got a few things to add in regards to that too. Uh, but once again, it was our famous premiership third quarter that saved the day. A five-goal streak led by Bailey Fritch saw the Demons put an insurmountable lead going into the last quarter. And the rest, as they say, is history. The Ds notched up their sixth win of the season and remain undefeated and on top of the ladder. It is also our 13th consecutive win, which ranks equal seventh on the longest AFL winning streak this century. Essendon 2000 and Brisbane 01 through to 202. Uh, 2002, <laughs> I almost did a, a goodie then. Uh, uh, they lead with 20 wins on the trot. St Kilda, 2009 on 19. Geelong in 2007 and then again in 2008, won 15 straight. Collingwood won 14 in a row in 2011. The, G's, the D's doing Carlton in 2000, Geelong in 09 and again in 11 and Richmond in 2019 through to 2020 on 13 wins. Interestingly, St Kilda's 19 in 09 and Geelong's 15 wins on the trot in 08 were not enough to snag them a flag. Guys, any general comments about the match that you want to highlight? Uh, baby, I'll start with you, B-Man. It was rocking, MCG. It was just on a going to the crowd. It was I finally got up the top of the Ponsford and I was right up the top. And um, 
they had uh, general the whole top deck of the Ponsford was general admission. So it was back. It was great. It was like going to the footy in the old days because I had a bunch of friends that I went with, and we were able to. In fact, we ran into each other. Were able to go up the top of the deck and get a big block of seats together, and had other friends who were Richmond fans who were nearby in their group, and uh, yeah, so it was terrific the way they did that actually, rather than slice it up into the zones and stuff that they'd done previously. So it was a great, great atmosphere um, right from the beginning. I thought the weather was like it was quite damp, um, and I don't know whether that had an impact on um, the depth of kicking. We seemed to kick short quite a bit, like um, in terms of not quite make the distance. And I wondered whether partly that was to do with sort of heavy air and, and, and the sort of fog coming in. But um, as a general thing, I mean, it was obviously frustrating. Like all the misses, it was frustrating. And um, I had a Tigers fan in front of me who was pretty aggro and angry right from the get-go, but he was just so frustrated because he was parroting back those pressure whenever they did it. But it was, I, I had an insight into how stressful and annoying it is to, to be an opposition fan um, when you come up against the Ds, when you, how we play, because at one point they looked up the ground, they looked around and they kicked it straight to Max Gorn and he thumped his seat with a fair bit of venom <laughs> to the empty seat next to him. Um, and it gave me a little insight into you know how frustrating it must be to support a team that we're up against it's so hard to move the ball for the back half doesn't help that the way that they went about their footy is a way we're going to have to get used to as D's fans this year they flooded super hard and and one of the great things about being high up the top of the Ponsford is as I've said before you get such a great overview of the ground and they pushed up you know the big part of the the um, scoring puck now re- really easy shots. Their pressure was great, um, but they couldn't transition the ball back the other way simply because they didn't have players going back the other way, um, and they're not fast enough to get back. So they really they did what Giants did to us and what Essendon did to an extent. Really tried to clag it up and and flood. Um, and and as I say, I think we're going to have to get used to that. But they're not going to have the fitness teams that do that. They're not going to then have the fitness to transition the ball back down the ground. Like well, no, you so you get these games. This is the sort of game we're going to get lots of where they're actually not looking to win the game. They're looking to minimise the um, percentage hit. And it actually makes a lot of sense for any team that's on the bubble of, of you know, the 8th, ninth, 10th, around that range. It's going to come down to percentages. And you don't want to get touched up by 70 points if you can avoid it. So, I mean, they easily could have with the, with the scoring. But... Um, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of games where teams actually just trying to come out with a three, four goal loss and they'll be happy with that because that's right, you need you need elite fitness and speed and skill to be able to run back the other way. But they weren't even playing a deep defender like the way that we do with our goalkeeper. Um, it was all about minimising um, our, you know, how big a loss it was going to be. So. Uh... That's rich. That's today. That one's for Richmond. There's an emergency down there. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, be man. The sirens are always going off near your place. So I, uh, <laughs> you must live in a very unsafe neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah, unlike most Melbourne fans who are in Brighton, I guess. So. Um, yeah, we'll have to uh, check your. Um, have to check your ID before you come into the ground again. Can't let your uh, your. You're Ilkin amongst us. Uh, George, any uh, any other general comments? Just a um, just a couple of brief ones. I, I think the whole Anzac experience of the Anzac Eve one that we have every year is far far superior to the Essendon Collingwood experience with the 
the lights going out, mm. the um, everyone holding their phone torches up, it, uh, the the parade of the of the uh, lighting of the cauldron is in of a night time is just spectacular compared to uh, the Essendon Collingwood option. So great kudos to the clubs for organising that a couple of years ago. Um, the other thing I took out of the game was um, the realisation uh, when we talk about things like the um, the premiership cliff, um, you've got a very small opportunity to take full advantage of it. Richmond won three out of four premierships in four, sorry, three premierships in four years. Good luck to them. They've done it. But boy, have they fallen off the cliff in a big way. You take away the, <clears throat> that uh, talent that they had, those few players. Uh, they've got those players like Rewalt and Cochin and Edwards who are just shells of what they were in the, in those premiership years. And the team falls down very, very quickly. So we better take full advantage of what we've got at the moment. And hopefully we will. I mean that can that can can happen to us, and it could happen to us in a couple of years. It could happen next year. You you just don't know. You got to take make the most of it uh, while you're there. Um, and George, as we were saying before the show, like we're talking about the you know another win, and I don't know how I'm going to be if if. And I mean, it's inevitable that we'll have a loss uh, at some point. Uh, I don't know how I'll cope. I'm not used to it. I don't know how Jake Bowie will cope. <laughs> Maybe you'll get injured and that, that'll be the reason we lose. Um, well, let's uh, let's move on. Um, uh, in this week's uh, tactics talk, uh, uh, George, you, you wanted to discuss uh, zone defence and how we're using it and the difference between our defence setup and our forward setup. And as you mentioned when we were discussing this, it might be difficult uh, without the aid of a whiteboard. Uh, so, we, listeners, you're going to have to use theatre of the mind um, with this one. So, George, take it away. Yeah, let's let's see how this goes. And and the reason I was looking at this is because uh, week after week, certainly certainly for the whole of this year and for the major part of last year, we've been talking about how our defence is so damn good compared to other sides and why. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for reasons why, and um, uh, so we'll start with a couple of couple of very basic things. Firstly, when you get the um, the six 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 situation, we've got a very different setup. Um, it's only a slight difference to what other clubs are, are, are doing, but um, I look I've looked at this the last two weeks, and it, it's quite remarkable when you when you when you do have a look at it. We've got our basic. Uh, diamond that uh, is set up in the defensive structures with your four four big um, defenders sort of in a diamond pattern in front of the goal sort of imagine Stephen May at the back and and whoever's playing the um, centre half back role at, at the top of it the two half back flankers to use the term this is why we need whiteboards the two half back flankers um, set up to the either, either side of that diamond and they tend to try to enclose the opposition defenders inside them, them. So what it means is basically the Melbourne players are all on the outside of the defensive areas. The other thing that they're doing is, particularly those halfback flankers, is they're forcing the opposition forwards into this middle area and it closes off the um, attacking uh, routes directly to goal should the ball come quickly out of the centre. The opposition, if they do, were to come out of the centre, have really got one option, one or two options, and that's to kick to the pocket uh, on either side 
and they've got to kick over the top of this initial defensive line. Uh, but unfortunately for them, Melbourne players in each position are already on the outside and closest to where they've got to kick the ball. So um, that's the initial six-six-six setup, which is a, which is a bit bit different. What I've also found is a sharp contrast with the way that we set up our own forward line is that we have a basic T structure um, uh, set up and our, our forwards go rather wide in the 50-metre arc. And what that, what that does is exactly the opposite of the defensive situation. It opens up those, defense, those uh, attacking corridors. So um, there's plenty of room for the... Um, uh, two main forwards who are sitting down the back to go to either side uh, if the ball comes out cleanly out of the middle. So it's it's a little bit different. And um, what I've also noticed, GWS and uh, both in this game in Richmond, they didn't adopt the same sort of defensive structures that we use at all. They're almost man on man. I think one of the reasons is you've got to have the right sort of people in there. And um, as we've already mentioned, uh, Clubs the, the clubs that are playing against us are trying to limit the damage. Um, so uh, going man-on-man man is probably the easiest and simplest uh, way of achieving that. Um, keep the Melbourne players within within range of yourself. But uh, in, in terms of initial setups, ours is quite different from what the others have been using. The other, the other thing I was interested in, in, you know, I've come from a basketball background having played many, many years, and... Um, when you're playing basketball and you play a zone defence at high level where that's played, um, you really get an understanding of how your teammates, how well your teammates have been trained by the way that they run a zone defence. They A, a proper zone defence uh, should shift and uh, f- um, fold depending on where the attacking is coming from. And it means that the guys at the back have got to tell the guys at the front where to go, and the guys at the front have got to go because they know that the guys at the back will be will be covering their their um, backside, so to speak. And what I've what I've noticed with the Melbourne team is it's not just five players like on a basketball court; they're running about six or seven um, players doing exactly this, and it's just a piece of ballet to watch in action. It's absolutely beautiful. Bin man might see it from um, also from the top of the Ponsford but you just see the whole zone moving beautifully from one side. And when the opposition uh, are looking up, they, they just see mountains of, of Melbourne players sitting in front of them. It's no surprise that they've got nowhere to go. All the positions are covered the whole time. The other thing is that um, uh, the wingers in particular are doing such a, a great job in this folding structure Um it's no surprise that when we come out of defence, we head down the Langdon wing pretty well all the time. People will say uh, it's where they're kicking uh, towards the, the tall targets, and they are. Gorn and, and Jackson are invariably on the one side, but Langdon's down that side as well, and it's part of this folding process. You go to where you've got the best opportunities, and while Langdon and, and, and the two talls are down one side, you'll notice that the Brayshaws and the Jordans have slipped in behind to cover the defensive positions on the opposite side of the ground, unheralded, unseen. But it's all part about this defensive structure. And it's, it is just beautiful to watch the way that the, uh, the whole team moves together um, uh, to help each other out. So um, very, very impressed with what I was, what I was looking at. Um, 
like I said, other teams can't employ it. You've got, you've got to have the right sort of mix of players and you've got to have the, the players who've been trained to be able to do this. Unfortunately, we've got, as we've already seen, we, we might lose a lever, but we bring in a Smith or we bring in a Tomlinson and we've still got people like Salem and Hibbert um, and Hunt's come in as well uh, this year who are all operating to the same system. It's a highly drilled very efficient defensive structure that we've got up, but you've got to have the right players to do it, and we've got them at the moment. So it's a great thing to see and observe. What's been good about it, uh, about going to the footy, uh, like Big Man suggested, you know, him sitting up, and I like to sit on the first level, not as high up, but I like to have be able to see the whole ground. And we're, uh, what's good about being back at the footy is being able to sort of see that because on TV you just don't really get to see any of the setup. Uh, you don't get to see any what's down the field when players are streaming forward, but you also don't got, get to see how we're setting up. And I, I think that's a nice thing uh, for our supporters um, to be able to sort of witness. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's really difficult to actually force yourself to look at it because you're looking at where the ball is. Yeah, exactly. Not, not what's happening behind the, the, the play. B-Man? Oh, B-Man, you're on uh, You're on mute. Uh, oh, mute that's a bit of uh, Zoom-tastic yeah. COVID. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, so the zone defence has been in footy now for, what, George, at least 15 years of one variation or another. It's got more sophisticated in the last five, six years. And so all teams employ the zone to one degree or another. As you say, George, GWS are probably the least zone like i mean richmond historically been we based our zone on theirs to an extent i mean the, but the difference for us is exactly as i say george the ability to move across the ground and essentially take the switch out of the opposition's um toolbox and you saw it on um saturday uh, sunday night where they finally did switch across um and you could hear the murmuring from the richmond fans because it was you got to go you got to go and they by the time they switched we'd move that whole zone across we'd, and they'd gone to the far from the members wing right across to the other stand um the now the sk warn stand um boundary line pretty much um i think with i can't remember it was two kicks or the one kick but we'd got across and they had no kick down the line they had basically the situation they found themselves in that forced the switch looking up and down the line and seeing marking targets up the line they replicated by trying they tried to get around by going across the other side of the ground and ended up with the mirror thing down that side with nothing down the um the line to kick to so it it's a really unique part of the game and it's a huge uh, thing. The other thing that for us is that, as George suggested, that triangle or diamond shape is its ability to hold its shape. So when you watch it move across, particularly if you're up behind the goals up at the Ponsford, you can really see it because it yeah, they keep with such discipline that player who plays the, the fullback goalkeeper, we'll call it what you will roll. Often it's petty when he's in the team, um, and but if it's not, they, they chop it and change and it's usually one of those tools but it means that so often when they do, the forwards do uh, the opposition do get out of a the center they look up and there's still a player to go through uh, and they stop and they wait for um, players to, to catch up so that combination of its ability to move as one but also not just to move across the ground um, but to stay in shape into that triangle shape makes it lethal um, d- um, defense and um, as George 
correctly says it's it's you need the players you need the system but you also need i mean this is five six years of building this under uh, um ruse which as i ruse first of all the good one has implemented this model and if you think back to when 2018 our problem was we were getting um goals behind us getting out the back of us we've given up heaps of them um but we get, we barely give up any these days um and opposition teams often like we'll, we'll talk about hawthorne later they rely on that a lot um uh, to get their scores that way so um yeah it is a thing of beauty to watch and um it requires a huge amount of gut running the other thing is of course just with that time it takes a huge amount of time to build the awareness of where everyone should be at any given point hence the pointing and all of that stuff but it's when it's not intuitive is when you get holes open up and if you think back to four or five years ago it was so frustrating it happened all the time you go well what's going on who was supposed to be there and everyone's pointing but yeah no it's fantastic watching the upshot is we're number one points against um we're number one opposition scores per inside 50 um we're number two points differential from turnover that's what you get when you get such an incredibly strong zone defense with with everyone knowing their roles, but also with key stars like Petty, May, Lever, Salem, sort of locking it down. Powie's sort of fast-tracking into that conversation as well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic combination. Anything more, George? Uh... No, no, that's that's enough uh, <laughs> tactics for the week. So, um, But, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people just to, if you get the opportunity, just to, just look at what, hap- what is happening behind the play and the way we're setting up. Um, it is something beautiful to watch. All right, let's move on to uh, our positives uh, for the week. I'll, I'll kick off, and a guy we were just sort of talking about, Harrison Petty, uh, who's not only continued from where he left off as a premiership defender in 2021, he's actually put in two fantastic performances since returning to the side from calf injury in the preseason, or calf surgery, I should add, in the preseason. Uh, in this game alone, he's achieved his highest number of disposals in a match, um, 17, uh, including the highest number of kicks, 10, and handball, 7. He's taken seven marks uh, with a career high of four intercept marks. And I think also in the GWS, one of his stats, it might have been spoils or, or something else, was also his career high. So in the two games he's played this year, he's uh, he's broken some, some of his own PBs. And it's easy for Petty to get lost in the adulation of May and Lever, uh, but he does, you know, as we all know, he forms that integral part of our stellar uh, defensive unit. And I reckon he has flourished in the role and he was even able to step up and capably fill in Jake Lever's shoes. Uh, he has a fantastic set of hands. Uh, I love him backing himself to take a mark and I've got confidence in him knowing when to go for a mark or when to spoil. Um, so... They, he's my positive for the week. I, I really thought he had a fantastic game. And, um, yeah, he's, he's fast becoming uh, one of my favourite uh, defenders. I, I like him. Um, anything you guys want to add about Pets? I, I think we saw why Petty is playing uh, in that role once he came back from his uh, uh, injury um, concerns a couple of weeks ago. Within five minutes, she knew exactly why Petty was in there, and, and not someone else. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's the best man for the job in that role. No, no questions. I mentioned it last week. Like it was his, the first time the ball had come down there, and he didn't look like he skipped a beat. He did yep. went up, took a specky, rather than sort of maybe just oh punch it away for that first time. He went and went for it, um, yep. and that's part of what I like. He's got confidence uh, in himself and. In turn, I've got confidence in him. 
absolutely. He's he's a star. He's he'll. Uh, speaking of hats, I will hundred percent eat all of my hats, and I've got a lot of them. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't get all Australian in the next two or three seasons, because wow. he's a, he is an out and out star, and um, not like not only is I mean he was he was. Two years ago, I remember saying on the podcast that he was the maybe even it was last year was the only sorry the year before the um, he was the only player not in the ones that I thought was an A grade and a potential A grader who was out with injury and um, and Jordan was the other one who wasn't in the side who got under my radar a bit but not Petty he he's he everything I saw back then is coming through in spades but the thing that I've really loved about him this year is that it's easy to forget he's young he's what twenty two mm, yeah twenty two. And he's built, he's got stronger. He hasn't got sort of massively bigger, but you can see he's stronger. And he's always had a, a fair dose of aggression about the way he plays footy. Um, and now, and he's always been, as you say, a confident player. Now he's got a combination of aggression and confidence. And he seems to be more aggressive this year, more, um, he really tackles to hurt. He really hits packs um, fearlessly. Um, and he plays with a sort of aggression that, I reckon super helpful for um, a key defender and, you know, can, can really make sort of forwards think twice about dropping, you know, leading into a hole or dropping back or, um, you know, I don't, don't mean that in a way sort of a thug or anything, but mm. between him and May, suddenly you've got two pretty formidable key defenders who will be prepared to run into you pretty hard or tackle or spoil if, if um, need be. And um, he, he was phenomenal really on Sunday night just and so clean with his hands. Um, and I loved his little uh, balk that he did on the on the members' wing to <laughs> just that's a touch of class. I, I really like it. He's uh, um, yeah, he's going to be a star for the days, and he's he's not far away already. Um, George, you want to go with your positive? My positives were um, the the midfield again. Um, Andy spoken about this uh, just briefly before the numbers that are coming out there, particularly this week from Clayton Oliver. Um, were just extraordinary. Um, we've we've got uh, Christian Petrarca with a lazy twenty four mm. possessions, and we barely gets a mention when you when you've got Oliver getting forty one, including twenty two contested possessions. But um, I think it's also very easy to forget uh, the other people in and around those two absolute stars that we've got. Um, We've got uh, Dunstan uh, filled in his role quite successfully, I think, this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether he stays in the side for the coming week. Um, he seems to be more of a pure mid-type player, and I don't know whether that will work against him. Um, but we'll wait and wait and see. That's another problem for the selectors this week. Well, that, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I I can't see him staying in the team. That's nothing against him. I, I thought he played mm. really. I thought he was good with ball in hand. He made good decisions. Um, he didn't panic at all. He seemed to fit into the you know the way we play. But he's really there as uh, you know. He's in the team as an insurance policy, which he which we pulled out this week with Viney being out. I, I can't see Viney yeah. not coming back in and him going yeah. out, and it's no offence to him. I, I really like him. I want to see more of him. But uh, yeah, I think again with Goody, if you, his presses, as I said, is they're more and more revealing, and he's pretty much said exactly that in the presser. He's we picked him, we selected him exactly for this purpose, um, yeah. which is why you know probably should have seen him coming in, getting selected last week. 
Um, and so that's what we'll do um, directly. He mentioned that connection directly to Viney. Viney's inside mid. We need an inside mid to come in. He comes in. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if um, isn't a direct swap next week. Health protocols pending. Yeah. But I, I think it's important that we don't forget the uh, other nominal wings, uh, uh, mids in the, in the team, yep. and that's the wingers. The work that Langdon and Brayshaw Jordan yep. do um, on the wings is just extraordinary. You know, you know, they've got to work both in the forward sense and, and the defensive sense as well. You know, Langdon this week, 599 metres gained. You know, that's, that's extraordinary numbers by any measures. And um, once again, 100% gain. Um, uh, game time, he just keeps on going. And uh, Bin Man um, mentioned before the inability of, of Richmond to be, and, and it happened the previous week and the weeks and the weeks before that as well. They can't get the switches going against Melbourne. There, there is no point because as soon as you try to switch, Langdon's already there. Your first first defensive structure set up, and um, they've got nowhere to go uh, when we've got a player of this capability. So. Um, I could talk about him him for ages, and and just finally, the last one I was going to mention was Jaden Hunt. Uh, his hundredth game, he completely changed his game in this in in this match. Um, everybody loves to see Jaden running up the ground, and uh, you know they all get excited with his speed. This week, he played a purely defensive role. He was primarily on Shy Bolton when he was moving down, and Bolton is very fast and very agile. And Bolton was completely smothered for pretty well the whole game by by Hunt. And what that tells me is that Hunt's got the idea now that he is part of a defensive unit. You don't play individually. You've got to play your role within the unit. And if that means uh, being utilised to shut someone down like a Bolton, then that's what you've got to do. So very impressed with the way that he changed his game this week. Is that is he being given that Hibbard role? Because Hibbard would sort of play... Yeah, it's it's hard, well, it's hard to know. It's hard to compare, but um, yeah, it's, he, yeah. He was interviewed after the game, um, and he said as that he said that he's been given that not Hibbard's role, but he was um, the last three weeks, four weeks, he's been um, playing more defensively on their small forward, and it was obviously shaped Bolton this week, and um, that it's something he's had to work out, obviously, and that so I presume they've given him that over the summer to work on his one-on-one. Yeah, because um, pre- in the past, Hibbert would have played on Shy Bolton coming maybe. over. Maybe. Shy Bolton think. might have been too fast for him. May- maybe now. Yeah, but even so, I mean, he's not real. I mean, when we played them last time, obviously he was on Martin. But um, he's better. Hibbert's better on that stronger yeah. player like um, who's physically strong as opposed to quick. And I think that... You know, obviously, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because our weakness is that that fast, um, small forward. I mean, Shea Bolton was by far their best player in the corresponding game last year. Um, and um, I, it, he did a great job, Jaden Hunt, on shutting him down this week. Um, so I'm not quite sure if it's exactly the same role as Hibbo, but um, it's certainly we need someone to take that medium. Like uh, the obvious one's Cameron. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Who's going to play on Charlie Cameron? Is that Hunt now? You think if he's successful uh, in this role? I mean, I suspect it's probably another example of um, areas to improve because last year was the medium-sized Ford who did the Mm. most damage against us. And, um, you know, Smith... um, Maybe he's not quite a. He, maybe he's a bit big for that size player. Um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, if Hunt stays in, but Hunt has the legs to go, the speed to go mm. with someone like Cameron. Whereas Hibbo probably doesn't, and probably didn't even last year. Um, and it's not really his go-to. But you know, they've obviously 
seen that there's a hole um, and they've thought, well, you know, who's who's best fit? Yeah. Who's the best fit to fill that hole? Um, and, I mean, it takes a bit of a mindset shift, as George has suggested, to go from that aggressive running halfback flanker to a pure one-on-one defender. Um, but if you can do that, that's a huge – every opposition team has got that medium-sized, quick, small forward, um, most do. Um, if he can stay in the team and shut that play down, he can still do the runoff a halfback flank occasionally and get metres gained, which he did a couple of times in this game. So, um, you know, maybe it's his way to stay in the team. And, um, I mean, I, I love him as a footballer. 100 games is great, but you know, it was a fantastic um, – that he's got to 100 games. He's really unassuming fella, so – um, yeah, I hope he does keep his spot in the team. And sponsored by uh, this very website that uh, that we're all on, uh, Demon Land. Uh, proud sponsors of Jaden Hunt. Do uh, you, you get some sort of award? No. And you're like, does Demon Land get some Jaden Hunt? We should. Or <laughs> we really should. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, family sponsors Max Gorn and I. Uh, I attribute uh, those five All Australians uh, to to me. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Bin Man, uh, your positive this week. I've got three quick ones. So the first one is relates to um, George's uh, uh, discussion about zones and our um, miserly defence. Um, and it's one reason why, amongst many, but the teams that with rely on their forward line, like the Dogs and Carlton, um, are going to struggle against us. We only gave up five marks inside our fifty, um, which is incredible. When you know, think who's up forward for them. Like even the fact they did struggle to get to transi- transition the ball, they've still got Rewald, Lynch, um, and um, who's a, a Bolter, Bolter, who you know. So there's. Some pretty good marking um, talent, and Shea Bolton, who is beautiful, who took one of those those marks. So he's got he's a beautiful mark, um, but five inside marks inside fifty to twelve it was, um, you know that's incredible in a game of footy. It's like it was four to um, it was four to almost it was five ten minutes to go or something, or maybe it was four in the last um, at the three quarter time. So I thought that was in incredible and sort of related to that that. That doesn't happen. You could without the all team defence and zone um, pressure that George was talking about. Um, that sort of pressure on the ball carrier is what stops inside fifty kicks. Of course, the zone back in the defence getting across, spoiling Petty Smith is brilliant at getting to contest and getting over the top of them. Um, all of them, they're they're all important, obviously, but it's the pressure on the, that last kick inside fifty um, that really is the difference between. Um, teams getting a hold of you and um, and us basically stop taking out their forwards. So Carlton rely on McKay and um, uh, Kerno uh, um, to, to so much of their scoring potential. You take that out, they're, they're, they're largely sort of impotent. The other um, bit that's related to that for me, and it was a huge, huge positive, um, and a player that exemplifies it for me is um, Charlie Spargo. But I said last week, we win this game. We win most games, but we do. We win this game if we bring our anywhere near A-grade intensity. Um, it doesn't, you know, if we don't and they bring their A-grade intensity, which they did, all credit to Richmond, I thought their heat was fantastic. Um you know that that we will beat most teams, and we had we crunched them in um, contested ball. I think um, the numbers were uh, we had uh, what was it contested 
just looking here, Andy, have you got that? Uh, 150 to 128, um, 22 um, more contested possessions is incredible. It's fantastic in a game which the opposition were up for it. Like it wasn't as if they, you know, were a team that we crunched. That's a high number of contested possessions. So the fact that we brought the uh, intensity uh, and have done every week, we brought it for a big occasion. Um, to me, that says a lot about where we're heading in terms of our ability to um, go back-to-back this year because that's going to be the biggest challenge for Goodwin is keeping the team's intensity level at a, at a high enough level to, to win these sorts of games. So I couldn't have been more impressed with our intensity. After half time, it went up a notch, and that's when we cracked them, um, and that's when we, we really go to work. And a player whose intensity and competitiveness was just brilliant to watch with Spargo. I thought he had a fantastic game, um, as much as anything, for just the attitude he brought to it and his ability to crack in and tackle. And uh, and he's another player who tackles to hurt and <laughs> belies his size. Um, I, I thought his approach to the game was exemplary and um, the yeah a, a massive positive how intense you know our intensity level and um, you know as I say twenty two clearances a big gap in in, in um, that's not a talent thing that's just you know and they did it they they brought the heat as I said so um, yeah brilliant effort by the D's in that space. Uh, yes, it was. Um, let's go on to improvements. Uh, I've been banging on about uh, the fact that one day our inaccuracy is going to cost us a match. And whilst I don't think, whilst I think we might have been safe in this particular game, uh, who knows? You know, a few goals that we didn't kick uh, could have lost. Uh, it certainly did cost us some percentage. Uh, I thought the conditions were perfect. Big man, you said uh, that it seemed a bit wet. I thought there, were, you know, certainly wasn't any rain. Was the dew on the deck? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It was that like it was when I left the ground. I walked back to the um, Flinders Street, and outside it was pretty dewy on the on, on the, the grass. grass. Okay, uh, but it was also quite cold by that time. And you know, as I said a few times there. About half a dozen times, they they didn't get the distance they obviously were going for, and the ball fell short. So, um, you know, I, I reckon there might have been a bit of dew on the surface, and that might. I, have... I, th- I think there was from about the uh, about the halfway mar- half half time mark. Yeah, um, I was right on the wing, and it was quite obvious there was mist. You could see that that mist sort of developing that looks like the smokers stand is still in yeah. operation <laughs> on the ground, and um, at the same you know at the same time the ball suddenly. Um, could only be kicked forty meters by pretty well yeah, exactly. everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and marks were being dropped that shouldn't have been dropped. So yeah, it was was slipperier than certainly what would have been visible on television. And um, yeah, it's, it helps to detract uh, detract from the game to watch. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, because there wasn't any wind either. Uh, we couldn't uh, hit the side of a barn. Uh, you know, less than thirty percent strike rate in front of goal. It's pretty abysmal. Uh, simply can't happen again. Uh, we let ourselves down. They were kicking pretty straight most of the time. Uh, certainly, Rewalt, uh, he's one from the boundary. Anyway, disappointing. Do you think it uh, was a bit of pressure? Some of the ones, uh, some of our snaps. I don't know. No, I, I think it happens a bit. I mean, we've actually I looked. We're believe it or not, Andy, we were number one for accuracy. Um, well, last of, week we were yeah. very accurate, but before, yeah, we so haven't been after. too bad this year because I haven't been. I oh, know we have a few times brought it up in shows yeah. this year. 
but it was extremely frustrating. And I mean, you just wanted to get hold of them, didn't you? Just wanted to have, you know, from last week, 10 goals in, in a quarter. That's what you wanted. You wanted some demons catnip. But uh, I do. And I, I wanted to enjoy it a bit more. I was, I reckon I was a, yeah. a, a tad nervous when I shouldn't have been because we were playing better than them, but we weren't getting the reward on the scoreboard. So should have had a good five, six, seven goal buffer so I could yeah. enjoy myself a little bit more. Um, right, they kicked well. And, and I was saying to her, mate, um, Rewald is beautiful kick. He's mm-hmm. such a skilled um, operator. I happened to watch the um, half of the replay from last year um, and it's incredible to what to hear them talk about Richmond on the up and where's Melbourne going and it's a 12 months time. It's completely reversed. But in that, that game, he kicked that ball off the ground and it was no fluke. He was deliberately doing it. And what I didn't realise, don't watch the replay, is he actually tapped that forward before and then he did something similar last night. He's just such a beautiful kick. He's a, he's a pure footballer. Um, so, the, the, you know, they were um, much more accurate. Um, the goal Spargo missed, I nearly <laughs> jumped out of my seat and it was just a shocker. He balanced up towards punt road end. I think it was the third quarter, wasn't it? Or, um, and, yeah, it's just a, a howler. Uh, in the in the pre-match, he was doing this uh, little drill, just him and Stafford, where Stafford would sort of tap balls to him He'd kick it quickly, sort of attempt to tackle him. He just was nailing every snap that he put through and then it was almost exactly the same situation. He missed it. Frustrating. Good thing um, Weed can kick straight, even when, <laughs> even when he floats them. Well, we'll be talking about Weed in just about three seconds, George. Uh, over to you. For- I'll, I'll, I'll tie it all in together. <laughs> the, the forward line... <laughs> Yeah, start with the forward a, line. Yeah, I was just commenting on that. I think it was a, a combination of factors. Firstly, um, Richmond were flooding back as, as much as they possibly could. The um, opportunities for for the our, our main forwards were limited. Um, there wasn't much of the kicking, kicking, marking, taking set shot sort of arrangements. Um, we had 64 inside 50s and only kicked nine goals. You know, it's... Um, it's a pretty poor effort and, and a d- indicative of something else that goings on. I don't know that the forward line works with Wiedemann all that well. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to um, match up in his leading patterns with, a, with the other forwards. Time and time again, you see him in the pocket, you know, trying to outmark um, Ben Brown when there are opportunities in front of goal that he should be leading to split the opportun- the, the opposition's um, um, attention. Um, so I'd, he, he just seems to be one of those kids who's been used to playing as a tall um, leading forward, and that's about his only way of playing. Um, he kicked three goals, um, and you can only do what's put in front of you. Um, but two of those goals were as a result of Harms and Fritch working very hard and getting the ball to him. Um, it wasn't as a result of him doing anything. He just would happen to be on the outside when when uh, the, the situation occurred. And the, and the third goal came because he fell over his own feet and the, the umpire decided that that was a free kick for him. Um, one uncontested mark for the whole game for a leading forward. Um, there's a lot to do. I think he'll be probably get another opportunity this week. But after seven years in the system, we're still talking about what uh, whether he'll come good or not. Um, that's a bit of a worry. And I think you, if you want to watch the first minute of the Casey game where um, 
Jacob Van Royen and Tommy Mack showed exactly what a forward should be doing. And you only have to watch the first minute or minute or two. Um, up the ground, working hard, crashing packs, creating the opportunities. That's what the forwards need to, need to be doing. And I don't see any of that still from Weed, unfortunately. Um, um, my, my thoughts on the Weed situation. I think it's going to be very difficult uh, to effectively drop a player who's contributed three goals to a side that in the end of the day won by uh, just over three goals. However, with the exception of those goals, I, I wasn't overly impressed uh, with the Weed. Uh, George, uh, you've, I think you've summed it up all right. Um, I was just as concerned with his efforts off the ball as when he went for the ball a few times, he either didn't get to the contest because he wasn't positioned right or he chose not to hit a contest both in the air and there were a couple on the ground, particularly in the last quarter, where he just didn't go to. And I, don't, I just don't think he has much of a presence on the ground for mine and I'll concede that you know, T-Mac hasn't set the world on fire with his output uh, either this season, but what he does provide is a foil or a block uh, for Brown in many marking contests and we just simply doesn't do that or he can't do it. I don't, I don't know. There were many incidents in this match where Brown was double teamed and sometimes it was just a player dropping back into, into the hole. And T-Mac often provides that strong big body to compete in those situations and it allows Brown um, to be one-on-one and therefore in a better position to mark. And I don't believe the Weed, you know, I don't think he's going to be dropped this week. Um, but no, my preference no. in the forward setup is T Mac. Uh, but let's see what happens this week. I'm hoping to be proved, proved wrong. Um, it's not nothing personal. I just want the best uh, team yeah. on the park. We'd be delighted if he would prove us wrong and just put these whole arguments to bed. And, and that hasn't been the case, you know. And again, in this game, in this game, he was primarily or on most occasions up against Josh Kubskis, who had 18 possessions, 12 marks. He's a first-year, 19-year-old player. Um, you really got... And while he might turn out to be a fantastic player in his own right, um, those are the sort of players that we should be dominating at this point in his career. He needs to needs to do so and, and tell us all to shut up as a result. Look, if he kicks three goals every week... Um even just doing what he did, <laughs> maybe I'll take that. But it's yeah. a thing that he doesn't do that often enough. I was wrapped with the game where he kicked four. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes there's just nothing and then not much output. Anyway, yeah. uh, B-Man, you want to add to that? No, uh, <laughs> not not really. I'm weird. I mean, I, I, won't, I don't think he'll get dropped. And no, no. Nor no. should he. Not, they've made a call yeah. now and they've got to stick with it. One, mm. one thing I will say about watching from watching the Casey game is um, – is T Mac play well, and you know he he does all of the things that we doesn't. So in terms of of that competitiveness, but it really actually was more apparent for me watching the Casey game than it had been in the um, seniors. Is that he he definitely is slow. Um, he's 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 lost the art of pace T Mac this year, and that's something that we does have. But I wish he'd just use it a bit more. And I guess with watching Weed is that I had eyes on him too, and I I guess for me I'm trying to not be so like drawn to his mistakes or, or looking for them. And and because the things that frustrate me are the same things that you both mentioned and it's that lack of competitiveness or it's that half step before he realises I've got yes. to go for that contest. And there was one that where he, he took a half second to react to an aerial contest yes. and didn't bring it to ground. And I said to my mum, I mean, that's Melbourne's whole game plan is 
based around turnovers and ensuring that they don't get marks on the on that whole model of going down the line and forcing oppositions to do that. You've got to bring it to ground, otherwise um, it sort of falls apart. Um, and so I'm trying to to not focus on those things, but they're the things that definitely frustrate me about Weed. But um, you know, he, he took his chances last night. So um, so. Good on him for that, um, and you know I hope he does. I hope he makes it incredibly hard for them to drop him. Yeah, maybe just needs confidence and time. So I'm happy to. But get yeah, he needs some. Yeah, or find. I, I I was there was an interesting discussion about him on Demonland, and I think I, my gut feeling is he's the sort of fella actually has to relax a little bit and play and get into a bit of a flow state. I, I feel like he puts himself under pressure and he gets down on himself and and I, I just wonder whether some players like Steve May they need to be fired up and playing on the edge all the time and I reckon Petty's like that and and I suspect that well maybe Weed is too and he needs to get fired up but I, I suspect he needs to get more into a relaxed state like a Langdon or even a Robbie Flower or you know and maybe he plays his best footy when he's relaxed and chilled. He has to find a way to get his head in, in that space where he can bring that intensity as a just an absolute um, foundation of his game. Well, B-Man, you had uh, TBC listed on our show notes of uh, improvements. Does that mean you don't have any improvements this week? You hadn't thought of any? Well, uh, I don't try to think of some. And, you, know, um, you don't have to uh, have. but The uh, one I came up with was uh, it's sort of a half improvement, really, to be fair. So <laughs> it's like a back, back door way of complimenting the Ds again. But um, we... You know, it was a bit like going to the footy in the old days um, back in the late 80s when um, Melbourne fans and their and their blankets would be yelling, just kick it, just kick it. And it was a bit like that. It was frustrating because they'd, they'd pushed up so high and because they were flooding, um, we were forced to do a lot of handballing. And so we were doing a lot of what looked like Hollywood handballs, trying to get it outside that immediate ring. They brought an extra to each of the contests. I had Hardwick talked about that in the um, his presser and expressed his frustration actually about the fact that despite the fact they had extra numbers, more than one often at the contest, we were still winning them. Um, you know, the, I think that it was a huge cause of frustration for him. Um, but because of that congestion, um, and because the way they were coming up at us is that we um, were forced to handball a lot. And if you remember this game last year, Goody, I, w- I was surprised he didn't mention it or perhaps no one asked him that was the reason. But last year he we had also a high, really high number of handballs uh, in this corresponding game. Um, we had a huge number of handballs in this game, way higher than our normal average, and it was the same as true last year and for the same reason because they were um, flooding us forward and pressing up. And, um, and last year, Goody, he said, well, our attempt, the reason why we had so many handballs was that we were trying to ha- handball our way through that um, traffic and that congestion. Um, and we were trying to do it again to get it to the outside. Maybe because it was slippery, maybe because of just the sheer number of handballs, but we missed a lot. Um, and as much as it was frustrating missing the shots at goals, there was probably at least six or seven times where if we'd got through to the next contest, we were clear ahead of the ball. And again, that's the what's so great about being at the footy. You don't see that on the television. You can see, you can see just one more kick, just one more kick and you'll get it to that free player up forward ahead of the ball who's done that running um, a forward that we've pushed forward. Um, but we must have, there must have been a half dozen times where 
that last handball didn't hit a target or just missed or um, Smith missed some, Dunstan missed some. There were a number. It wasn't like it wasn't any one player. Um, but so that was an area. I don't know if it's an improvement, but um, they worked pretty hard on it. Um, you know, there were a number of times where just one handball away from getting free a few times down the boundary line, Cozzy, Langdon. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be, you know, if they could improve that and be perfect, that would be fantastic. Yes, we strive for perfection. Yeah, that's what we want. But he doesn't. He's, he's happy to play ugly, as he keeps saying. All right, let's move on to Casey. Uh, the Casey Demons maintained their undefeated run and top spot on the VFL ladder after a bruising game against Richmond at Punt Road Oval. After finding themselves 26 points down early in the second quarter, Casey were able to claw their way back to level at the final break and then ran away 23-point winners. Tom McDonald, three goals, um, and he joined Rosman, Milksham, um, Tomlinson, Baker, and Chandler amongst the best players uh, for the Casey Demons. Uh, guys, you uh, both uh, watch most, if not all, of the game. Uh, who impressed you um, of the Demon-listed players? Uh, George, you, you can start. Um. Yeah, it's, a, it's always difficult watching the um, seconds playing, uh, particularly on television, but at least we get to see it, so that, yeah. that's one good thing. But um, it, was, it was an interesting sort of game in that from that perspective, and it really shows the golf in quality uh, between the AFL-listed players and, and the VFL uh, players, um, although the couple of the VFL players in the Casey side, like Munro um, in particular, just would would find a role, I think, in the, at the AFL level. But um, uh, players like Melcham really shine out. Um, T-Mac was just fantastic in this game, really shone out. Um, uh, Tomlinson uh, in the back line had, uh, was it, uh, 13 possessions in the first quarter alone, including six marks. Um didn't have to do anything because he, he went off at halftime. He was obviously an emergency um, fill-in if needed um, later on in the day. Um, yeah, T-Mac was fantastic. Three goals all in the first half. Uh, could have easily been five or six. Uh, there were a couple of marks that he took in packs that uh, the umpires denied, which would have resulted in another couple of goals, and he gave a couple away. So he did everything that was, that, that was possible. It's good to see... Um, uh, players like Rosman coming on, who's, who obviously during the COVID era didn't have the opportunity for um, development, but is, are now starting to show it. Um, he's he's a super long kick. Um, he was kicking out from fullback mm. and and you know, basically planted it in the uh, certainly well and truly inside the centre square. Um, so yeah, lots of upside from him. Um, Baker on the wing was um, used his speed um, a number of times. His kicking is not the best, and it just keeps letting him down. Uh, but we've, we've seen the same structures um, developed, uh, sorry, being utilised in, in at uh, Casey um, as a, in Mel, at, at AFL level, and that's why we can bring people like Smith and Tomlinson back into the side. They know exactly what to do when they when they're getting there. Um, and we've got a couple of other players who are, who are just coming along nicely. Chandler's uh, really doing very well. Uh, but the one I, I think uh, he, he didn't play this week, you know, in terms of development, is poor old Bedford, who's played 10 games this year and hasn't basically got on the ground. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so it'd be it'll be good to see him as well. But it just shows the development that, that's occurring down there. We've we've got a few more strings in our bow that are coming nicely along. Did we um, did we run out all over the top of them as a result of our superior fitness? Uh, I'd, I'd say it was because we um, actually closed up on them. They, they they certainly seemed to run out of a bit of steam in the last quarter, but um, in the first in the first half in particular, um, we gave them far too many opportunities. I mean, one of the reasons why Tomlinson got so many possessions down down back was because the ball kept coming in there all the time, and he kept mopping it up. Thank goodness he did. Uh, but they got up to twenty five points ahead, I think, in the game. Um, but we just like the seniors, we just ground them down, just keep on grinding, keep on grinding. And, yeah, the, the fitness level when you're grinding other teams down is, is indeed a big factor. And I think a big factor in that is that you're right, George, it's a, they, they do their best to mirror our systems and structure for the seniors. And as you were talking about with our zone defence, one of the, the things about the way we play is it forces the opposition to go with us with it. And so, you know, again, you see that at the ground so so much. If we're spreading, they've got to go with us. And if they don't, then when we turn it over, we've got body holes everywhere. Um, and so that's really taxing. So often teams have, have their best quarter against us is their first quarter when they're freshest and that they're, they're least taxed by by the way we play footy and the way we force oppositions to play. And the same happens with Casey. That's the, now the third time where um, we've pulled away easily at the end of a game. And um, now listening to Campbell Brown talking, he was frustrated that we kept on kicking to um, a pack um, up forward. And it was, um, but it was how Melbourne play. That's how we enter our 50. It's about getting it inside 50 and then keeping it inside 50 or keeping it inside the front half of the ground from about halfway from the the centre down. So um, I thought Rosman had another good game. Um, it's really good to see him coming on. Um, I thought Melksham played well. Um, he he can't be too far away, I reckon. Um, I don't know where he gets into that side, but um, on um, Gorney's um, po- on the Gorney Gus podcast, they mentioned he was a smoky for selection last week. Um, so um, I, I thought he played really well. Um, I, I really like the way Magic Door goes about his footy, um, and then um, White and Munro are really really enjoying that footy as well. Both great to watch it. I hadn't realised actually that they said in the call that White's now playing midfield. Um, he kicked a couple of goals, so he's a goal kicking midfielder. He's another one that um, you know he he's not a million miles away from AFL standards. So. Um, another impressive win. They're going to be a hard team to um, to stop this year, that's for sure. Uh, what about uh, Taj Woden? From what I, I saw, about three quarters of the game, um, and he was okay. His disposal was a bit iffy as a general thing. I'm not sure whether that's was just this week. Um, but he, yeah, he seemed like um, you know um, he, he played reasonably. I thought he got he got caught a couple of times, and I think that's. Um, to be expected, you know, um, players talk about the pace and the level that they've got to step up to from what they're used to. And, um, you know, let's face it, this is match number, what, five five for him effectively. Yeah. Um, so uh, he's obviously a very good user of the ball and has got a good turn of speed. Um, but, yeah, he got caught a couple of times and, and um, I, I think he ran out of steam a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's going to spend his time down at Casey and... and 
uh, his more his opportunities will come. They won't come this year. He's, yeah, he's next year. The... It's next year. Yeah. And Same with Andy. Um, what's his last name? Andy Monus Wakefield. Yeah, he looks like he's got some real skill yeah. about him, and um, he's a he's that sort of actual player that a bit like the shy Bolton build where he's not quite a small and he's obviously not a tall, but he's got good skills. He can roost the ball. Um, I thought that um, Chandler played pretty well. You know, he's mm. in there. He's another player must be close. And, and Laurie probably played his best game that I've seen. Mm. Kicked a nice goal, um, used his skills well. So there's a lot of good players coming, a lot of coming up um, through there. The one that I'm most excited about is Van Ruin probably. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just an, such a natural competitor. And if you, if they put up all the goals on the website at some stage, um, check out, I think it's the last goal of the game. It must be close to the last goal of the game. For, and his first goal, maybe his only goal. Uh, and it was really just a goal where he decided he wanted to kick it. And <laughs> he wasn't, it wasn't pretty, just forced himself to win the ball when he um, um, sort of barely could throw a foot at it in the end, the way he sort of got tangled up but um he just willed willed himself a goal and i thought you know there's a there's a kid who's gonna play senior footy sooner rather than later i reckon but it isn't a great that that we have that luxury to play him in the twos um yeah he's not, he, he won't get in, and this not rush in. yeah i mean who knows he could oh if he does great but uh yeah, yeah we've got that luxury I'm natural born competitors no yeah. doubt about it I'm, I'm reminded of when i saw a 19 year old uh player with uh, the same blonde hair and the same uh, pudding bowl haircut in the uh, Melbourne under-19s at the stage wearing number five on his back. He moves exactly the same way. It's just, it, he's just ruthless about uh, uh, the way he goes at attacking the ball in the same way as uh, Schwartz did um, in, in his heyday. But, uh, yeah, at this level, he's... he's you just look at that player in Van Roy and you just know he's going somewhere. He's going to be a great pickup, and he's he may not be needed this year, but if he keep and it's only five games into a Casey season, so long way to go yet. But if he keeps presenting in the same way, he will be playing senior football. Let's talk ins and outs. Uh, Jack Viney and Jake Lever were out on health and safety protocols. Uh, presumably they have now served their time and will be available for selection, hopefully. I'm well aware that Goody doesn't make uh, changes to the side willy-nilly uh, and for the most part changes are only uh, forced. Uh, however, I can't imagine many instances where Jack and Jake aren't immediately recalled uh, to the side uh, simply they are best uh, 22 players, uh, in my humble opinion. I'll get your thoughts on that in a minute, gentlemen. Uh, both their replacements in Luke Dunson and Joel Smith were more than adequate and they did everything required of them uh, on the night. Uh, but I'm afraid that uh, when you have such a well-balanced and talented list, such as the one we're blessed with at the moment, uh, you're going to have to have you're going to have selection dilemmas. And we can count our lucky stars that we have the depth such as Luke and Joel to fill any holes as injuries or health and safety protocols require us to fill. I'm tipping a straight swap there from those two guys, Joel Smith and Luke Dunstan out for Jack Viney and Jake Lever. Possibly the only changes we'll make this week unless there's a mystery injury of the week, which there seems to be all the time. Uh, Gentlemen, I'll start with you, B-Man. Ins and outs. Yeah, I think that's the obvious one and, you know, I think it fits with the goody principle of rewarding success but I think reading between the lines, you know, Dunstan 
was came in for a specific role and and Viney will come back in and and I mean I thought Dunson played pretty well but Viney's been terrific this um, season and you know it's hard not to think that he would have found a way to score a goal out of sheer will um, when we were missing him he, he's in such good form so yeah it seems pretty straightforward doesn't it Lever and um, Viney come in for Smith and um, Dunson who both you know, have done nothing wrong. Um, Smith gave up a, a pretty easy oh, goal. It was won. terrible. <laughs> but uh, what it? Yeah. old players, Lynch, who did yeah, nothing yeah. else for the whole game. Um, but there you go. You know, um, there's some people on Demon Land looking to um, to Lynch. Um, pardon the pun, um, Smith, for that mistake. No, as, no, if, no, exactly. as if a player's never handballed directly to an opposition player before. Well, certainly at the Ds, it'd be a third of the Demon all-time playing list that... <laughs> It would have been Lynch for that crime. So, but yeah, that seems to be the obvious, doesn't it? Lever and um, um, uh, Viney in for Smith and um, Smith and Dunstan. Um, yeah. uh, George, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, I think uh, Smith unfortunately will um, be dropped, and the and the reason is the same as when Petty came in because Petty was a better player, and in this case, Lever is a better player than what Smith is. So there's there's no doubt for that. Uh, the Viney one, Viney will definitely come in. Um, uh, there's a couple of possibilities other than Dunstan, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you may or may not have noticed. Harms, for example, went off at three-quarter time for an awful long time. Yeah, um, he had 69% game time. Yeah, yeah. so he, he was well well down. Um, whether he's um, got something niggling uh, in the background, I'm not quite sure, so that might be the possibility. The other one that, that um, was reported on the AFL site was that Dunstan... Uh, got a head injury or some mm. sort. Possible um, concussion. Right at yeah, the end, uh, right, he, yeah. he so, sandwiched in between two Richmond players. Yeah, so that creates a, an opportunity there. But the other one that's a bit of a smoky is um, A and B. I think in, in the last two, two games has been really, really down. He had, what was it, nine possessions last week and only 13 this week. Now he's in there to provide pressure and that's fine. But when you get, uh, like he did in this match, nine direct turnovers... Um, you've got to start questioning what uh, he's providing to the team in, ter- in terms of football. Um, and that's why Melcham may well be a possible um, replacement in that area. Um, or um, in Bedford, who has got the speed and, and um, the ability to provide the press that uh, A&B does, uh, is another option. So um, uh, I'd be watching that space. Yeah, as we always said with Neil Bullen, that if he's not going to get the numbers in terms of um, in terms of disposals, the pressure's got to be up. Or those two set shot goals that he missed, he's got to nail those, and yeah. they weren't difficult ones at all. They're virtually straight in front. Um, yeah, you got to have scoreboard pressure. But his pressure was fantastic. He was his pressure was elite this game. I mean, his turnovers weren't great, um, but his pressure was fantastic. On um, he's running. Um, you know, you watch him run for ten minutes in a game; it's mm. incredible. Yep. Like, there's no way Melksham could um, could cover him. Bedford definitely could. Bedford's the the player he's most like in the team is Nibbler in in that role. He's he's got a good tank. He's got the wheels. He's probably quicker than Nibbler as well. Um, but um, yeah, I can't. Just, I can't see Nibbler's no chance of getting dropped. So I'll eat my hat. Another hat. If he's dropped, then. Oh, in fact, I was just going to get his number um, on my back this week, so that would be a bad <laughs> omen. So um, I, I cannot see him getting dropped in um, 
know, his pressures the last two games, I've, you know, I've seen, watched live and because he's my favourite player, I've watched him um, and his pressure has nowhere near, like it's incredible. Like the amount of pressure that he puts on the opposition just through his running, if nothing else, is 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 up right up with um, Langdon. I mean, he's only the only player who runs further in the um, at the D's um, is Langdon, and it's Langdon, Nibbler, and then Daylight between him and third. Yeah, he had a game high twenty or a team high twenty seven pressure acts. Yeah, I mean. That's that's all. Like last week, um, uh, Goody was asked about um, Cozzy's game, and the question the presser was, and I forget, I wish I could remember the exact wording, but the, to paraphrase the question was, you know, it must be good to see Cozzy kick some goals because he's had a quiet um, start to the season. And if you go back and watch that presser, Goodwin almost laughs. He yeah. said, "Well, not by our metrics, he hasn't had a quiet yeah. season. By the metrics we use." He's been fantastic and goals are a bonus. And it's exactly the same with Nibbler. 27 pressure acts is Nibbler's KPI. Um, and he's exceeded it by a mile. So, yeah, he's he's not going anywhere. Um, just while I've got your bin man, uh, I want to ask you a question about the AFL stats uh, p- portion of their website. What has happened to that? They Have they neutered that completely? Um, you know what they've done? And last week's I wanted to look at and I hadn't looked at it this year, I've been meaning to, but last week I wanted to look at TMAC's game and Weed's game. So I thought, well, I'll go look at AFL Stats Pro. Um, it's not there anymore. So that, oh, that, that like they've taken all of that video highlights off, all, so it's not there at all. Um, and they've also... The you statistics. You can't down on yeah. your stats anymore. You can't compare players anymore. You can't... It's unbelievable what they've done. I was just trying yeah. to find Nibbler's uh, sort of pressure acts uh, for, for this year and... You can't – I mean, once a game's done, they don't compile it anymore. This is terrible. The best one publicly available stat site, and I'm, I'm sure there's others, but the one that is for that I think is the best – well, the best that I know of, I'm, I'm happy to, to find out if it's a better one, is Footy Wire. Um, and it hasn't got all of the stats that um, um, AFL has, but it's got most of them. So um, – yeah, it's, it's yeah. You're right. It's completely been neutered as a good word. <laughs> yeah. Most concern for me is they've taken off the the yeah. um, stats pro, which um, was for for those who don't know it was. There's not much point knowing about Do it you, now. But video of every single involvement. There is that's, It still exists on the AFL app. Um, if you go to the AFL app in the bottom corner, there is um, a stats tab and you still can access those videos through your phone. Uh, it's still there. I'm just on it now. However, because uh, I was trying to look up Petty to, to see some of his intercept marks. But unfortunately, I don't know what they've done for the Melbourne versus Richmond game. When you click on Petty's thing for that, and it's for all the Melbourne plays, it goes to the Gold Coast versus Brisbane game. So it, they've just put the video for that. So if you're looking at something at 2 minutes 53 seconds, it goes to 2 minutes 53 seconds of the Brisbane uh, Gold Coast game for this particular match. So I don't know what's happened there. And oh, oh, well, that's good that it's- <laughs> But it's still there. Just on Nibbler, he's um, just looking at his footy wire stats. They've got the rankings for um, for each season and he's second in total goal assists across the AFL. Okay. Um, yeah, which is uh, – and third in goal assists per game. There you go. He's uh, he's a role player and he seems to be doing his role. So, George, yeah. uh, get off his back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's go and talk about our opposition for this upcoming match. Uh, the Hawks uh, jumped the Swans out of the blocks, uh, kicking the first five goals of the match. And this was coming off the impressive win last week against the Cats, uh, where I believe they kicked the first three goals of the match before the Cats had even touched the ball. So we better be switched on early in our match against them this week. They seem to uh, really jump out of the blocks. Uh, The Hawks held the lead for most of the match until about 10 minutes to go when the Swans had clawed their way back in front and they ended up running over the Young Hawks, kicking nine goals to one in the last quarter and winning by 41 points. Uh, I guess that's a good sign for us as our fitness and ability to run our games could be a factor. So, uh, boys, you... uh, who was going to look into uh, B-Man? Were you going to uh, yeah, do yeah. our so opposition watch? Hawks are play a really interesting game um, of football. My knock on them was their defence, but in the first um, part of the season, their defence was actually um, pretty good. Um, but they play a very quick um, transition game, a bit not unlike um, at least in sort of the outcome that the Dogs were playing in the first third of last season, not as many uh, handballs. Um so in their rankings, their um, um, second least opponent rebounds 50 per game and second in team to opponent rebounds per game. So they're getting, um, you know, their high inside 50s in terms of their ability to, to rebound or their ability to get it from halfback flank. Um, and you saw that against Geelong and you saw that um, in the, the, um, the Swans game. They really bounce off halfback flank and look to, to run and it's no... Um, coincidence that again that their best quarters are those first ones when they, they catch teams out a little bit where the fitness is you know you start the game let's say at equal level fitness and then as the game goes on you know the, the relative fitness gets pulled apart a little bit um i think that you know that fastball movement um is great to watch it's exciting i think it'll take them a long way the question is how strong are they um defensively defense wins grand finals um you know they might be looking now to add their offense first in that layer um and and they've caught they certainly caught geelong out remember in the carlton game as well that was the second half they came super hard at um carlton they've definitely got an ability to um score quickly but it's a bit like the that risk reward stuff so against us you know, it's such a challenge to play football against us because you can go slow, it suits us, but if you go fast, you might be able to score. And I think, I really think that's basically the only way a team's going to beat us is to go fast and that for all to work. But you go fast and then you open yourself up for getting hurt on um, on rebound. So, um, you know, for, for us, um, you know, in terms of inside 50s, we're number one in the AFL for inside 50s. Um, they're 17. Um, they don't get anywhere near as many uh, inside 50s, obviously. Um, they're a half-back flank in some respects. That's sort of, that's not old school, but it's a bit uh, a model that um, has proven not really to be super successful. Um, they've got, you know, they've, they're definitely um, a capacity score could worry us, um, but I think that our strength um, in terms of denying the opposition and trapping in our forward forward half, um, it's going to make it really difficult for them. Um, you know, they've got some young players that have um, that have done really well so far, um, but it's their older players who really have um, who were the best in this game, Bruce and um, uh, Gunston. 
Dunstan, yeah, um, Gunston, um, who their skills really stood out. And Mitchell had his best game for a long time um, today um, and accumulated. He was getting some ground and, you know, he was getting a bit more territory gained. So um, they've got a good mixture of older players and some younger players. Lewis is finally getting um, his game together. And Kaziski is it? He, he looks uh, a solid player who I think he kicked three. Um, so, you know, they've got um, a, a pretty good mix of, of youth and some solid players, and it's interesting the game plan that they are looking to, to build, um, but it does rely on that quick ball movement. And I think that, for um, you know, just like in so many um, opposition strengths, our strengths really take that ball movement away. And if you can take that, that's their one wood, if you can take that away, um, you know, they struggle to move the ball forward and get an inside 50. As I said, they're 17 for inside 50s, which is partly about the way they move the ball, but it's partly they're not a, a, a forward half um, team and the sort of best teams in the AFL at the moment, um, namely us and Brisbane and increasingly Frio, uh, that, you know, it's all about getting the, the ball in the forward line and keeping it there for as long as possible. Um, so it's an interesting sort of way of playing. I'm really looking forward to the game because I... I expect they'll be the exception to prove the rule. They'll go for it. They've got no reason to, you know, to try. I can't see Mitchell deciding to go defensive against us. What, what, what are they going to win? I think they want to test their game plan. They'll want to test their model against our model. Um, they, they could play defensive. Clarkson cer- certainly would have. Um, um, but I just can't see it happening. So um, we could be in for an exciting game because if it does open up, we can respond in kind. And so I, I hope they come out looking to attack, looking to switch, take the corridor on, which is what they've been doing um, because that will make for a much more exciting game than you know GWS and Richmond style of flooding forward and not taking risks and not really looking to, to score. So I, I expect um, that they'll see this game as an opportunity to test themselves uh, against us, but as much as anything, test their game plan. Um, at least I hope that's the approach they take. I'd be surprised if they didn't. They're a bit early in their journey of of where they want to head towards um, being a flag competitive team to be going into their shells, I would have thought, and going, well, you know, we'll keep it to a four or five goal loss. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see, and we'll, we'll know within the first four or five minutes which approach they take just from where they're running to on the grounds. Um, but I hope they do what they did on Swans. They were, it was magnificent to watch the first 15 minutes. They um, Today they moved the ball super quick, great kicking, hitting targets, really good lead-ups. Um, uh, they had Sicily down back. His, um, he's always been a star, but I think he's really matured and um, he's slotted in super well back there. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to it, um, at least in, in large part because I do think they'll look to attack and uh, we'll get an open attacking game of footy. How'd they go in the rocks? Because they yeah. seem to be short on rocks. Yeah, I mean, they're going to struggle. I mean, every team coming up against us um, is going to struggle if they don't have two decent rucks, let alone um, one decent ruck. And um, I had his name up before, the, the ruckman. Max Lynch. Yeah, he's... Um, I mean, he's not in either of our Ruckman's quality. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's telling for on that stat, their clearances, they're like their bottom sort of four or five in clearances as well. So, um, you know, whilst it's, you know, we've talked about it's not a clearance game anymore, um, you know, it's a, we're third um, 
uh, so we're both interestingly we're second in clangers they're third and we're third in clangers so we're second because of our model is just get it forward and so each of them are sometimes clangers where for them it's different they're clangers a genuine frosty clangers so, <laughs> um, um, but yeah I'm just looking at this that's how work and so it had it here but the um, yeah they're way down on clearances now for us, that wouldn't isn't such a big issue because we win post clearance, but they're middle table on post clearance, um, winning that possession. So um, it, it is a big issue for them. And um, I mean, they've got a reasonable midfield, um, but um, you know they've got a lot of pieces of the puzzle to to put together before they're going to be really a contender. And their rucks are obviously a big one. They're too. I don't think McAvoy's back. Is he this week? He was pretty. On their injury list, uh, all everyone sort of listed as who's not pl- playing is listed as TBC, um, McAvoy's neck TBC, Mitch Lewis yeah. hamstring. But in the text of what well, page I'm reading, it's, he had hamstring tightness after the Geelong game, um, so he might be back. Mitch Lewis, Who is it? Mitch Mitchell Lewis. All oh, right, right, okay. Yeah, the, the Hawks are playing like a young side, aren't they? They're up and down. Um, uh, their one wood, is, as Ben Man uses the word, um, is, is speed and youth and, and quick attacking. Um, they've got nothing else at the moment, unfortunately. Um, they're going to be a couple of years before they're competitive ever again. And um, uh, without the rucks, you know, McAvoy was wearing a, a neck brace last week, so I doubt that he's going to be back for quite some time. Reeves with a shoulder is out for quite some time, and now they've got their, their third stringer, so to speak, um, uh, trying to hold the ruck position down and against the two best ruckmen in the league at the moment. That's that's going to be a pretty difficult task. They also lost uh, Jaff uh, during the week with a hamstring injury, so their back line uh, consists of basically Frosty and Hardwick and and uh, Frost, uh, sorry, Frost, Hardwick, and um, Sicily. Um, so all all around the ground, you know, they're, they're depleted from their best possible at the moment. They haven't got the same old heads that they used to have. Um, I'm never impressed with Gunston and Bruce. They, they sit down off the side of the pack and pick up a few uh, cheap and easy goals out there, but they, they're not pack-breaking type of players, so... Um, uh, I think we'll expose them seriously um, with our defensive structures. They, they won't get the opportunities and Hawthorns, depending on those easy goals, and they're just not going to get them uh, in this game. And Jeff's a huge out um, yeah. because he's so central to the way they like to bounce off the halfback flank um, and and run and carries a bit like a the way we used um, Hunt in 2018 to yeah. really to launch their attacks off the halfback. In fact. Now that I think about it, in some ways, that the way they play is not dissimilar to our model in 2018, where they look to get it forward quickly, and it's that speed of ball movement that really throws teams out when it happens. And sometimes the opposition, from what I've seen, have taken a little while to get their feet. Swan certainly did in terms of how they respond to that fast ball movement. Melbourne won't need to, because we've already got that system that George talked about at the beginning of the show around the, um, the um, our zone defence is sort of the antidote to that 
fast ball movement because it doesn't matter how fast you move it, Melbourne have still always got someone up the front, whereas they got a number of goals out the back of Swans defence. We just don't give those ball up. And I, I found the stat I was looking for. So they're 18th in um, differential for clearances. Now, as I said, it's not a clearance game, but still want to be mid-table on clearances, which Melbourne are. They're 18th differential um, between clearances per game. Or well, what's it going to be this week with you've got, you know, um, Gorn and uh, Jackson and our midfield um, rocking. So yeah, it, it's um, yeah. I'll be, as I said, really interested to see um, what approach they take. If they do come out and attack us, it's a sort of game I could see us winning by fifty points. Because if it's a high-scoring shootout, um, I can't see any reason why Hawks would want anything but that. Um, um, it's just going to play into our hands. So um, yeah, uh, let's hope that they take that approach. And after, and after they've capitulated against the Swans in such a big way today. Um, they're going to come into the match on a five-day break as well. So, Yeah, from flying out. Um, it was yeah. down in Tassie as well. So, I mean, it's not the world's biggest <laughs> flight, but nonetheless, it adds a couple of hours either side of your um, yeah, travel. Are either of you concerned that we've played all our games at night? Uh, this is our first... Uh, <laughs> first... Uh, First day game, well, sort of a half day, half night. Um, I'm not. We're that's getting other people <laughs> to be concerned about. That's not one of them. <laughs> you're, getting a, you're getting desperate, Andy. Yeah. You're trying, trying to, to find, find some devil's you, advocate. You're try, trying to find something to feed your MFCSS with. Aren't I you? know. I know. I'm <laughs> terrible. I'm never going to be cured. Um, this actually is our 150th uh, uh, podcast. Uh, since the Demonland podcast started, uh, so that's a great milestone. And if uh, the twenty if twenty seventeen, I think we started. If if I went back and told myself, you know, that we'd have a flag, um, uh, I'd probably still find something. To <laughs> to, I'd probably be upset that we've beaten no one this year. Uh, I'd have a look at our. Uh, uh, oh, we're on top of the ladder, but look at we've played. We've played nobody. <laughs> At least that's what I'm getting from some of my mates. They're already getting stuck into me. Yeah, also, um, I can't imagine um, I would have struggled coming up with improvements the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> it was certainly not 2019. So. The, the, other, the other thing for this week, Andy, is um, uh, who plays who else? Um, we play Hawthorne, so it's 1v9. Uh, two plays six and three plays four. So a win this week could potentially see us two games clear on the top of the ladder, depending on, on the way that uh, results do fall. But, um, yeah, we, we're looking in a, a – and this is what happens every year. And, and previously we've been worried about trying to get into the eight and all the combinations that uh, we could think of to get us there. But uh, this at this point in the season, it's 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 nice to be on the other end of the, uh, of the stick. Four points clear, 10% um, percentage or 9% of second is after six rounds. It, it's yeah. incredible. Like the the whole notion of we haven't played anyone's ridiculous. Well, we haven't played Brisbane yet. That's true. Um, we did play the team we beat in the, um, <laughs> for the grand final last year. Um, Cats, okay, we haven't played Cats yet. But, you know, there's really, I to be honest, it's Brisbane, Cats and Frio are the um, only three teams I think that... Yeah. Um, um, have got a realistic shot against us. Um, if you're looking at the betting markets, uh, you know, <laughs> to bring up punning, but just in terms of we started the season at $5 to win the flag, we're into 280 to win the flag. Um, and I reckon that's about the right number um, in terms of our chances of winning. And of course, 
as we've talked about, there's no guarantees, um, but there's a closest thing to a guarantee we'll finish top four. Um, there, there is some, um, you know, it's going to be important potentially to finish top two because uh, we don't want to play Brisbane up in Brisbane. Or Frio. Or Frio if they finish top four, that's right. So although Optus Oval Optus doesn't really... Is no. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> Frio would be more worried about having to travel, I think, than us playing Optus Oval. <laughs> um, well, there's already, you know, a portion of the media that uh, are, are getting on the Demon bandwagon sort of, putting maybe that extra pressure on us. I don't know what effect it would have on the team. It could just be Fugazi. But uh, they're already calling that uh, they don't think anyone will be able to beat us uh, this year. We could go undefeated. Uh, I know Damien Barrett wrote an article uh, to that. Uh, I mean, how does that talk sort of affect you? But it doesn't have a great effect on me. It doesn't keep me up at night, put it that way. There was, in the parallel universe that I've lived in for most of my football um, supporting life, it was fear of going through a season without a victory. Yes. <laughs> but going for fearing whether we'll go um, without um, a uh, losing one, well, it's, that's something I can deal with. I can only dream of an undefeated season. Um, all right, I think we're going to leave, leave it there, guys. Um, well, back at the G, back at our home. It's good to be back. It's good to be back here. It's good to be talking wins. I don't know what's going to happen if we do happen to drop a game. It'll be a very sad, sad day. All right, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, B-Man. Thank you, George. And uh, we'll be back next week. Go Demons. Go Red Leggers.